Welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. We're so glad to have you with us. Uh, we have a great night ahead of us. We're talking about feelings. And I feel like it's going to be awesome. So before we get started, just to remind you that this whole show is really about uh, understanding that even though the world is broken and we rub up against its sharp edges and get hurt, that God is a God of healing and comfort and power, resurrection power, and that he loves to restore, take all the brokenness, even that we human beings create, and turn it into incredible restorative resurrection life for each of us, and that he invites us into the process. And so tonight we're going to talk about the messiness of feelings and the restorative power that God works in that as well. And before we get started, I want to say hey to Chris, my fellow host. Hi, Chris. Hello, everyone. How's Chris? Chris is doing good because he had an hour and a half nap. (laughs) (laughs) Is jealousy a feeling? Is that? (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I guess that is. So I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not so sure. I, I'm glad I asked that question because now, now I'm dealing with having to confess my jealous feelings towards you right now. Annie, yeah. do you have any jealous feelings towards Chris that you want to confess? I have a lot of jealous feelings and a little bit more than just jealous feelings. <laughs> <laughs> Annie, our oh. producer, how are you? Oh, you know, another day, another Doug. Another Doug? Thor, Ragnarok. Another buck or another dog. No, another Doug. Do you guys not watch Thor Ragnarok all the time like I do? (laughs) I've seen it like three times, but I missed it. I watched it two weeks ago. You know when the whole rock man, when when Thor gets punched out and he's like, the rock guy goes, Oh, another day, another Doug. Oh, that's right, because he, Doug was the guy that le- like was taken Got out. Beat up. Do you, know, yeah. do you know the guy who uh, who plays that role? Chris yeah, know who the director. He's the director. Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the rock guy. Yes. <laughs> Not Thor. Anyone, anyone pronounce his name without screwing it up? The director of Thor Ragnarok. Me neither. Taikia I don't even know his name. Taikia Watiti, is that right? Anyone out there know? Do we have anyone listening right now that knows? Everyone, please, please. So, I'm not know what we could uh, just right now. You, if you're looking at the screen for our awesome website, you blogtalkradio.com, you will see that there is a phone number that you can call in to talk to us, and we will definitely be taking calls a little later. We would love for you to call in, and that number is for some reason you're not looking at your screen. Maybe you're busy like Annie and jealous over Chris because you don't get to take a nap. You're too busy to do that. So let me give you the phone number. It's 323-580-5755. It's uh, again three two three five eight zero five seven five five, or you can actually 
go to uh, Facebook, or there should be a link there, actually, right, Annie? There's a link for Facebook, and there's also you you don't have to just wait or you, if you're not listening live if you're listening on podcasts you can also leave comments for us or you can email us and i believe it is lifehurtsgodheals2020.com am i right did i get that right yes i did okay awesome and so you can comment if i've you know if i tell me if i got if i'm a trivia master and i got the director's name right and speaking of trivia chris mhm Yes. Have any awesome trivia? Or well, I was thinking about rain because we we've had quite a bout of rain the last week, and now this week we have wonderful sunshine while the rest of the country deals with rain. <laughs> and uh, so I I found an interesting uh, trivia that um, you have to kind of pretend a little bit. So okay. if if you could pretend that all the water in the world had evaporated from the surface of the earth so that it was up in the sky, how many inches of rain would fall to fill it back, to, to put all the water back oh on the gosh. earth? That's crazy question. That's like... Because mm-hmm. I'm a uh, crazy guy. Oh, wow. Uh, How many inches would it take to have to return all the water to the surface of the earth? Ah, how many inches? Wow, that's a huge guess. I'm going to say 10,000. Nope. Not even Sandy, do you have a guess? I got nothing. I got nothing. You got Exactly. Not exactly. You can't say exactly. But it would be about one inch. That's it. Really? Yeah. If if it rained all at the same time, it would be about one inch of water. Isn't that pretty amazing? Yeah. That's it? That's, that's it. a lot less than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> that's a lot less than I thought it was going to be. So. Yeah. yeah. I, that's crazy. Do you, do, do okay. you have a, a trivia you want to share? Sure, I've got. Uh, okay, in contrast to that, um, let's let me ask something that that's a bigger number than one. How many parts, screws, and bolts included does the average car have? How many parts? Oh my gosh! The average car today. Today's average car. Sure, yeah. What's average? Hmm. I know. I don't know. Your car's average. I read something about average, like like if you stuck your head in a freezer and your feet in 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 hot lava, then you would be comfortable because the average would be right in the in the middle. <laughs> You have some interesting <laughs> trivia. That nap was so beneficial. <laughs> it was. You, got the, you must have the weirdest dreams because you have some but, crazy But getting stuff. back to your car, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to say 
parts, I'm going to say, well, if it was a 1950s vehicle, I would guess that it was probably in the neighborhood of 400 pieces. But today's vehicle, I'm going to say it's 2,000 pieces. Ooh, that's a good guess. Annie, you got one? Oh, I was going to say like 250,000, so I guess that might <laughs> Well, if you really trivia games. Yeah. If we were on the prices right, Annie, you would have blown that. I would have lost. But, uh it's thirty thousand actually. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Bolts and remember screws and bolts are included in that. Yeah. So, yeah. A lot. Okay. One more on the on the motor since we're on I, I got us on to this. I thought of that one just because I said, what did I say, like 10,000 inches of rain or something like that? So I thought, okay, let's go with something that's uh, that has a has a high number. Okay, what does BMW stand for in English? Take hmm. it on the, on the the automobile. Keep it in that in that lane. Well, I know it's supposed to mean break my wallet, but <laughs> the official. The official meaning is it like British uh, manual wheels or something? <laughs> well, I'd say that you're on you're on the right road. See what I'm doing there? Yeah. You're on the right road when it comes to the first letter is definitely along the the nation kind of or okay. culture line. So yeah. it's not British, but you're you're going Britain the right way. You're going the right way. And okay. you got it's you a got German car, so it has to be some kind of beast. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Bavarian Motor Works. Oh, you looked it up, you cheater! <laughs> I I totally see the look on your face, Annie. You cannot. You cannot. Well, I mean, she was trying to look smart when she said it, and it totally failed. Well, no, she, but she would not. She's not going to win, you know, the World Series of Poker at, ever. Like that look. Oh, that was oh hilarious. Well, I will tell you a trivia that you don't have to guess, and it okay. goes back to the rain. I okay. just read here. The world's the world record for one minute. Rainfall was on July 4, 1956, in Unionville, Maryland. It was one and a quarter inches. In one minute? In one minute. That is fantastic. I mean, in one inch of rain, that's like flood already. You're already dealing with a lot of flood, but all of it fell in one minute. (laughs) Wow. 1956, where was it? Unionville, Maryland. Unionville, Maryland. Wow. Wow. All right. Well, speaking of rain and flood, let's talk about emotions. Yeah. Good. Well, and, how, about, how they flood us at times. So I'm gonna I'm gonna turn the tables since Uh-oh. since I thought of this topic, and so mm. I'm gonna ask Kurt a question. Sure. I like questions. Um, We can assume that God has feelings, right? Sure. Okay. 
those feelings range, at least in the scripture, from anger to passion uh, to joy, all those kinds of things. But he doesn't need a physical body to feel those feelings, does he? Because he's no. spirit. That's a good point. So, do you think there's a difference between the feelings God might have about life and living, the feelings that we human beings tend to have about life and living? And if there is a difference, what would the difference be, or how would we discern what might be God's emotions or you can't really call them emotions, can you? They're more like feelings. Emotions are body chemical type things, perhaps. I don't know how to distinguish. But anyway, the question is, is there a difference? What kind of difference is there? Should there be a difference between the feelings we tend to experience and the feelings God always experiences? Okay, let me make sure I understand the question. So you're asking me if there's a if if is there a difference between what we feel mm-hmm. and what God feels? And if yeah. so, if so, why there's a difference? Right. Right? Okay. Yes, yeah. Well, for me, I'd say yes. There is a difference. We, how do I know that? Well, we we often see a difference between, and in, in scripture, and there's a great place where God reveals Himself. We often see a difference between what God feels and what people feel in a given, you know, story. Like what I love about scripture is, is that it really is. It's not. Some people use see it as a rule book. Some people see it as a. Uh, uh, a how-to manual uh, when it really is just God's story of relating to humanity and our and our story of relating back to him, but really his, his story. And in that story of God relating to us, oftentimes in different circumstances that we're reading about, we see how God feels about the, something that is vastly different. Mm-hmm. Than mm-hmm. what the the humans he's relating to is, and how he's communicating that difference. Uh, sometimes through the prophets, sometimes uh, through different ind- individuals. And why is there a difference between how God feels at times and and how we feel? And I I really look at think of this in terms of watching a movie. Okay. All right, go with me on this, Chris. Go with me. I'm going. I'm following. Journey with me. Take my hand. We'll walk in this together. So when when I go to the movies, I love to see a movie multiple times. And I love to see a movie multiple times. And this is where I get a little creepy because when I see it a second – when I see it the first time, I'm very anxious because I, I really can't really enjoy the movie to its fullest potential because I'm really 
just want to get to the end. I want to know how it all works out. And when I get to the end and see how it, it, it all plays out, then I'm in my mind reliving all of the things, the threads and the tie-ins and everything that, that came together. When it's a really good movie, I should say. When it's a really huh. good movie. I'm thinking see, this that, is how you and I are so different because when the movie is done, I'm ready to go to bed. <laughs> And so when it, when it's over, I want to. I'm thinking about everything about how it all connected together, and it's blowing my mind. And I want to watch it again. To now that I know the whole story, I want to watch it again, so I can now now my feelings are different as I watch mm-hmm. it because I've already I know the whole story. I know what what's going to happen, and so I can relax. And I can just go with it and let this journey go as it as it as it leads. I can go at its pace and enjoy it in the moment. And mm-hmm. I think that right there is the key difference between God and us. Is God knows the whole story. Okay. He knows every element. And he is not, you know, like so we have a, a, a group of guys who pray together here in town. And uh, pastor guys who pastor different church communities, and probably about a year ago we were praying, um, and somebody as we we had our eyes closed, and somebody said, "Guys, I just want you to, in your imagination right now, to imagine you're looking into the face of Jesus." And we were talking about all of our problems in our church communities and in our lives, and he's like, "I want you to look into the face of Jesus. I want you." to see something that he is not stressed out about your issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he, mm-hmm. he is totally relaxed and at peace. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that that's really we, what we have, you know, in revelation, no matter how you try to, or want to interpret it, what it gets down to is God already has the end in mind. He already knows the whole story and he knows how it's going to end. And there's a saying that keeps getting bantered around in our church community a lot lately. If if the story isn't good, the story isn't over. Mm. And right. and God is that's what God is doing. He is working all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. As as a guy named Paul once wrote to the, an ancient Roman church, right? Mm-hmm. And and so. This is the. I think that is the difference, Chris. Okay. Us and God. God sees everything. He He has it. He knows what's going to happen. He has it handled. And so, the way He, the way He sees moves in in our story and how He feels about things is much different than us because we only have this moment. Okay. So I thought of something that I hadn't thought of before as you were sharing about the movie context. And that was very good. That's really good. Um, So assuming accurately that we are made in the image of God and therefore we reflect a lot of the qualities of who God is, in terms of uh, his character and, and so forth, uh, his capacities to love and to see beauty and also to feel things. So as you were sharing that, it, it, 
it made sense to me then that in order for me to feel perhaps the things that God feels, I need to trust that he knows the end of the story, mm. that he has played out the whole story and the whole story works out good for us who believe. And so I could, my feelings actually could change about the current events when I apply or exercise my faith. Would that hmm. be, would that be possible? Do you think that's? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of a scripture, Chris, maybe you can help me because the, where it's at in the Psalms isn't uh, coming to mind at the moment, but okay. there is, but I believe it's David who says that God will give us the desires of our hearts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, my, my brain goes to Psalm 84, but I can't be sure on that either. So, And there's two ways of interpreting that. Um, and many people, and early in my walk, I interpreted that God knows the desires of my heart and will fulfill them. It was uh, later in my walk that I heard someone say that's actually not in the Hebrew what is being conveyed. Uh The original language of the psalm was it was first written in Hebrew and then translated into different languages including English and the, the, the it's Psalm thirty-seven. It's Psalm thirty-seven, verse four. I looked it up. Psalm th- Can you read it? Just, just. Uh, it just says, it. "Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of heart." Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And what someone else said that the actual Hebrew uh, conveys, and this is what I've grown to understand is that God if you delight in God if you will find your joy in God he will give you desires Mm. his desires he will give you his feelings his emotions his passions and and that is really I think the point of of our lives is when we take our delight and joy in God, right? The joy of the Lord is our strength. As mm-hmm. and I and I is that in Nehemiah? I think someone just said that to me the other day. I think day. you're right. I think it's in Nehemiah somewhere. So it's, yeah, Nehemiah as they're building the wall, uh, a totally different wall than than we're talking about in our day and age. By the way, a good wall. <laughs> uh, they're they're building a different wall to, to protect their their the city of Jerusalem that Nehemiah is gives them that right the joy in the midst of they have a lot of oppression they have a lot of enemies around them and Nehemiah makes this quote the joy of the Lord is our strength God can if we will not look at the issues the problems but look to Jesus in his case look to God right he will give us joy right And, and I think that this is where 
we have to understand ourselves as I, I love in music, Chris, the idea of call and response. Uh-huh. Where someone on the stage as a musician, you, you, you understand this, where, where someone on the stage will, will sing something and, yeah. then, and then have a pause and wait for the audience to sing back, right? And this is, this is the relationship that God, this, that's a beautiful picture of a joyous moment of call and response, right? And uh, where, where the, the, uh, the singer and the band are interacting with the audience, but it's the singer and the band that are initiating that. And it is mm. the role of the audience to respond. And it's, all, it's not dutiful obligation. It's all from a place of beauty as in this, for, in this music and the arts of it mm-hmm. is a place of beautiful res- call and response of joy, not of, not of obligation. And so it's a loving we, communication. Yes. And so when we choose to turn our eyes off of our problems to God, then he calls out joy mm-hmm. and desire and passion and beauty and strength to us and then we get to respond it's never our initiation mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. always initiates we're always responding if if we're listening and it, now you're and it bringing was, up a very important point that I've I've been thinking about for the last two or three years and I was so glad that uh, we named the show tonight you know uh, the idea to be are you led by your feelings, you know, what was the, oops, who's, show's leading name? Who? who's leading, who's leading who? who? Yeah. Um, because let me, let me ask you another question that will sync up or link up to this, I think. Um, so if we share the same emotional capacities as God does, We are not necessarily saying that God experiences lust, for instance. Or, or even the, the Scripture does say, and this is, we said this, yeah, I think uh, last week we mentioned it, that God, that it does say that God is a jealous God. He's a jealous God. And, but, and that we see that as negative, right? Because we're thinking yes, of human terms, right, as a human right. jealousy. We don't understand God jealousy. Because one is based on righteousness and one's not. Yeah, one's God is if if we understand scripture correctly, that God is selfless. Yeah. That even though he's jealous for his glory, there's actually selflessness. Our understanding of glory is different from God's. Right. And the seeking after his glory is actually a selfless act on our behalf. See, so so what's as I've been uh, reading through places like Proverbs and the Psalms, uh, because David wrestled with his own emotions uh, quite a bit, is is the idea that um, so God's feelings are are perfect, perfectly balanced, based on righteousness and so forth, based on good. Um, but our feelings tend to get out of whack. Um, we can be owned by our feelings or obsessed 
we, we can develop. I mean, certainly God has an obsession. There's another word, and God has an obsession for us. But when we have an obsession, <laughs> we, uh, it, it becomes an addiction that we become enslaved to. Yes. So it's like um, our feelings are corrupt, get corrupted if if they're not sourced correctly, um, if they're not sourced in the same righteousness or or sourced in the in trust, like you were initially talking about, trusting God for the end or the mm-hmm. big picture, you know, that if we don't if we don't do that, then our our feelings get whacked, and and pretty soon. Uh, our feelings are leading us, and we can live for feelings. And sometimes even, you know, the church has been, um, at least my observation, you know, uh, we we go to church on Sundays to get our, our they call it a fix, right? <laughs> I've heard Christians talk about, you know, the, the emotional praise and worship time that we create for people that lifts us up and inspires us and gets us going for the week. I remember even in the 70s, uh, people lived for you know, the good old hymn singing and stuff because it, it, it orients us to the message and it feeds us so that we can last through the week, which then in my brain I go, oh, so then by Saturday I'm a wreck. <laughs> And I am empty, and boy, I better get to church so I can fill up again. Do you see what's happening is that nothing's really changed generationally. We still look for the emotional high to fill us. And and, uh, I'm just going to say personally, as I've gone through my life, I have found that those emotional highs – come up empty or they, they, um, um, they don't meet my need all week long. And especially if I'm looking for that feeling to measure where I am in a healthy way with God so that if I'm not feeling right, then I'm not right. Hmm with God. And that's not necessarily true either. So what are your thoughts on that as I throw like five things at you at once? Well, where, where my head went was back to the call and response. And if we are a people who are always on the responding side, if God is the one taking initiative and we're responding, uh-huh. what we can do is circumvent the uh, God. We can let something else get in the way and be the voice that we're responding to. We're, we're always responding to something, but if right. we're not responding to God, that that you know, like I, I heard it said that if you're going to be, a, if you want to learn good leadership. You have to learn good followership first. There, there's no, there's no good leader who hasn't learned how to follow someone else, and in, in, in a healthy way. 
And this is the same. We can be leaders in the areas of our lives, but nobody leads God. He leads us. We're going to respond to him. If we don't, if we allow another voice to get in the way, that becomes our leader. And oftentimes what we replace God with is our feelings. Mm. And we allow, and we're, we're people of call and response. Right. On to something. And if right. it isn't God, then it's going to be something else. And it's going to be oftentimes our feelings. And this mm-hmm. is where we get in trouble. Right. And there are certain personalities that are more feeling heavy than others. But I'll tell you what, even the most logical people, even the most logical seeming people are more controlled by their feelings than they realize. And I I have a personal theory and I am this is where people can call in and uh, and disagree or comment on this. But I think a lot of the, the uh, a lot of the atheistic arguments that w- would be that they would say their logical arguments for why they don't believe in God uh, is actually built on emotion, built on hurt, built on disappointments, and yeah. there's actually they're being led by feelings. Even the most logical of atheists. Are actually are actually being led by emotion more than they realize, and that's been, that's been my experience because I have interacted uh, online with um, with self-proclaimed atheists and so forth. We we start in a very logical place of discussion and and so forth, but uh, over time I have found that that the other side gets very um, Very and, angry. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, or frustrated, and uh, ad hominem attacks, and all this kind of stuff begin to happen. And I re- well, and then the person, and they can't discuss it. They attack the person. You ad hominem. They attack you, and rather yes. than the rather than the topic. Yeah, they attack me, or they attack Christianity, and and they they go very uh, you know ballistic. Um, but and that that just kind of uh, um, helps me recognize that there is a great deal of emotion attached to this to this uh, discussion, you know. So I was I was just affirming that with you. So keep yeah. going with you saying that. Well, I, we need to take a quick break, and uh, and we can come back to this topic in just a minute. But we uh, we want to talk about. Our, our network, Linked Local Network, and all of the other wonderful shows besides us that are on there. So, Annie, can you give us some information for other shows that people might be interested in? Hey, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Life Hurts, God Heals. If this is Tuesday and somewhere between 7 and 9 p.m. Pacific, you're listening to us live. If you have a question for Kurt and Chris during this time, please give us a call at 323 if you cannot call, that's okay. You can always reach us through our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals. Or send us an email at lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com. That's all one word. 
We'd also like to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. Some of the other shows that are a part of the Link Local Network are The Road to Recovery on Sundays at 7 p.m. Central, Community Voices Chat, which is currently every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, The Pillars of Franchising, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Link Local Network in your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. Again, our email is lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com, all one word, or give us a call at 323-580-5755. And back to you, Kurt and Chris. Before we get back into it, I just want to remind people if you're listening to us but maybe not looking at your screen that there is a phone number you can call in. We'd love to hear from you. And that number is 323-580-5755. We would love also if you uh, are on Facebook, if you want to make comments on our Life Hurts God Heals Facebook page or like us, we would love for you to connect. We're actually, right now, Chris, we are one like short of 300 on our Facebook page. Um, Cool. We're very close. I was just, it just seems like a few weeks ago, we were celebrating 200. And now here we are, uh, you know, celebrating, almost celebrating I'll 300. I'll have to go to the Facebook page and like. <laughs> I think you already did, unless you have multiple <laughs> Facebook accounts. You can, I actually you can haven't do that. done that, so okay. Oh, really? Oh, you could be lucky number 300. <laughs> that would be great. Okay. I, I, you, so you asked me to, oh, wow, we're at 301. Wow, and I didn't even have to look for it. (laughs) Wow, that's, that's, um, Annie just put it in. She hit like, like. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think you can do it that way, but, um, actually, that's great because we were at literally 299 just like an hour ago or two hours ago, so that's cool. So we got two more likes. Yay. So now we get to do a little celebration uh, post after the show and celebrate that we're at, we're at 301. That's great. That's, I, I'm just so appreciative of everyone who's, um, who's, who's there with us in this, you know, it's so fun. Thank you guys for everyone out there. I just want to say that we really appreciate you being in this with us and we love hearing from you. So please, please uh, connect with us. And Chris, that takes us back. Um, I actually don't know what my train of thought was. Uh, so if you, if you have another train of thought for us, okay, give me a question. <laughs> give me something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, and I I like the things that we are uh, just coming up with as we uh, talk through some of these some of these things. You know, in our society, I, I would say that we have become a, an emotionally saturated society. Mm. Um, that's not to say that other cultures don't have emotion. But the amount of money that we invest as a nation into emotion, into feeling good, or to creating uh, happy feelings, whether it's through the arts or cinema or um, food, 
you know we there's a there's a great deal of money now being poured into you know i remember my my uh my mom growing up in our house we probably only had three cookbooks mm. well in my cupboard i think i've got 20 and i don't even use them <laughs> you know uh, because we're uh we're exploring those kinds of things that give us pleasure. And, um, um, and so I recognize that while every culture experiences and explores, you know, pleasure and feelings, it seems as if in our culture, I liked what you said about um, um, substituting. In other words, we develop in our culture, the danger is that we substitute the presence of God for our feelings, or we mm-hmm. substitute um, that our, our rightness with God, with our feelings. In other words, I could go into a, a time of great rock and roll praise and walk out of there on a high, but never actually address my own need for perhaps repentance or change um, or growth or things of that nature, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, just, just, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, you just popped something in my head as you were talking about that as the substitution factor is a great, I love that word that you used, Chris. Well, you used it first, so. I don't know if I actually use the word. So. Okay. No I love that. I love that you took my the huge, you know, uh, amount of words that I used and narrowed them down to one substitution. I like that. Thank you for that. And what it brought to mind is the difference between we talked about the the scripture in Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is our strength, and the diff and what people do is to substitute the presence of God, which produces joy, we substitute for pursuing happiness. Mm. You know, the idea of, so happiness is dependent on happenings, right? Right, right. Happiness is dependent, I'm happy when things are going my way. And when things aren't going my way, then I'm not happy. And so it's very much dependent. My emotions are led by my circumstances and my emotions lead me. And whereas the joy of the Lord is the strength is that no matter what my circumstances are, Mm. I can have a sense of joy, a sense of God's rightness. Uh, I I love for me, one of my life verses, one verse that I hold to when nothing is going right and or things aren't happening the way I would want them to. I hold to one of the promises that I hold to is in the book of Matthew, one of the four accounts of Jesus's life, Matthew chapter six, where Jesus is talking about how not he's commanding his followers not to worry. Like that worry is actually sin. I don't know if we think about, we often talk about things that are sin or disobedience against God, that worry is one of them. It's just it's really bad, and people will think of other things, right? Right. But the idea, he says in there, in Matthew six thirty three, he says, "Seek first his kingdom 
and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And the idea there of his righteousness, I, I used to think that I have to seek God's righteousness to be righteous like him. I'm pursuing to be righteous. When in reality, what I, I'm beginning to understand is God's righteousness is is always is constant. He, and what is righteousness but what he says he is righteous to do? What he It's a relational righteousness. When my wife says, hey, can you be home by 6? And I say yes to that. And I walk in the door at 5.59, I am righteous in uh-huh. my wife's eyes, relationally righteous. Right. And that's God. He, When I'm seeking his righteousness, God is, whatever God says, whatever he promises, he will do. So Romans 8.28 again, right? He uh-huh. uses all things for the good, all things for the good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose, uh, he works all things for the good. So everything gets connected to goodness, even though all things aren't good. Correct. Yeah. All things are not good. I, I, the death of a child is not good. Right. Losing a job is not good. At cancer, believe me, I know this one. Yes. I've had it and had it removed. Cancer is not good. Inclusion body myositis, this neurological disease that I am struggling and wrestling with, is not good. But God is righteous to do what he said, and he said he will take all things and connect them and, and, and somehow forge them into connect them. To all the things will work out for good. He will take all these pieces, even the broken pieces, and make good. And if I am pursuing his kingdom and his righteousness first... I'm seeking and pursuing and keeping my eyes on God's righteousness, then I'm, I am trusting my decision-making process. Everything that is going through my mind is being filtered through that I know that God is righteous and that I can have the joy. I can then be open to whatever God wants, even though I don't understand it. I can walk through these circumstances asking him to guide me. I can ask him to give me his desires in this moment and his mm-hmm. desires peace. Mm-hmm. His joy. So when I trust God's righteousness, when I'm seeking his righteousness, it means I am seeking to see his righteousness, that he is good and righteous and working everything out, and I'm looking for it, like Easter eggs, right? When, when, we, the, when a kid looks for Easter eggs on Easter, it is not a task. It is not something that their parents are making them do, right? It's not some obligation. It is they are looking for that. You are going to look for that Easter egg, and you're going to like it. And you're going to like it, yeah. And and if you don't, you know, you're going to be put in the corner, right? Uh, no, it's the complete opposite. It's a it's a joy. Yeah. Those kids are having the time of their lives seeking for those Easter eggs in every place that they could possibly look for them. They're, they're not, nothing outside or inside is left unturned. And what are those parents? What is their what is their emotional? Mm-hmm. They're, you know, pleased. they're pleased. They're pleased. They're joyful. Yeah. They're yeah. enjoying their kids. Enjoying seeking out these hidden Easter eggs that they've placed in them. And now we do it in movies. We'll go back to the movie thing. Now we call it Easter eggs in movies, right? Well, this is what that seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. God has placed Easter eggs in all of our circumstances. You are eating us. From the beginning of of this show to now, we're actually 
we are starting to make a connection between what we might call healthy feelings and unhealthy feelings because the healthy feelings are always connected your response you know uh, concept is is always connected to what God is doing or has done or will do mm-hmm. and 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 so when our feelings are reflecting or responding to what God has done, then whether we have explosive feelings at, on moments or even quiet feelings, like someone, someone often asks me, not someone, I should say, someone's often ask me, Gosh, Chris, you know, you're always smiling, you're always singing, you know, you're always whistling. Do you do that at home? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't go to bed with a big, you know, joke or smile pasted across my face. You know? I want to see that. <laughs> no. That'd be creepy. Um, but there is, there is a joy that cannot be taken away because it's sourced somewhere else or resourced somewhere else. Uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength and uh, which then goes to the side that there are unhealthy or unhelpful feelings that we do feel because they are sourced in current events per se or sourced in uh, we're, we're just responding to what has happened to us without the Lord's input. In other words, we go to anxiety and we're kind of resisting the idea of peace because maybe we need or want to feel that anxiety or it's a habit. These, what we might call negative emotions that are not sourced in the truth, but actually sourced in hopelessness, for instance, or uh, victimization kinds of things. This happened to me, like self-pity can uh, not only we absorb, but we can be absorbed by it so that we're bleeding everywhere because somehow either by lack of faith or lack of connection to God, we we're not seeing God's hope or God's healing. And so we continue to bleed. And honestly, people bleed for years and years and years over memories, over things that have happened. You know, it's interesting. Things that we remember are tend to be uh, connected to high pitched emotions or super intense events that register at the emotional or feeling level. So we remember those feelings they are etched into us. And, um, and so if I, on a given day, I'd be having a pretty decent, mild, peaceful, even joyful day, but then memory can get triggered 
and I will go down that bunny trail that then becomes like a landslide into my memory. And when I finally land at the bottom, all all messed up, I go, oh, I, I totally forgot about God and his purpose and his love for me and all that. I forget his blessings, you know. So mm-hmm. some of that stuff. I think there is a root to all of that that we just don't want to acknowledge. And the root is the feelings of incompleteness. We struggle so hard with wanting to be complete in ourselves. We want, we want, like all those emotional moments that you talked about in the past, the pain, the things that, the moments where we were not complete and we sensed it deeply, people made fun of us in a moment. And because we didn't, we weren't complete, we needed something outside of ourselves and that was pointed out to us. And instead of being compassionate about that, someone pointed it out as a weakness and, uh, and lifted it up for you. Every day, day after day or week yeah. after week yes. or something like that. Yeah. And so, and so the, the bottom line is there that we have this deep sense of, of being incomplete. And the issue is what we do with that. Again, it's about recall and response. And what we often do is we don't acknowledge it. We hide it. And we look for something else to make us feel complete. And what we're driven by in that is by our emotions. We, we look for things to make us feel happy. Very interesting, uh, Kurt, right there. We're, we're looking for something to make us feel complete. complete. Yes. And I think that is the, that's where we get saturated in our culture is we're incomplete. We're looking for feelings to make us complete. Isn't it every commercial about yeah. beauty products, about anything out there, is what are they, what are they aiming at? Saying yeah. if, if you have this, it will it will add to your sense of completeness. Completeness. E- yeah. Every everything, every commercial, anything that they're selling, that people you need sell. To have this and, and you, you, you're a mess if you don't have this. You're <laughs> incomplete without it. And so we pursue the we pursue a, a desire for for completeness to feel complete. And here's the problem with that. We were we were created incomplete. We, not not one human being has ever been perfect. Perfection when God when the when Scripture says that God is perfect, it means He is fully complete within Himself. That's what perfection is. We say nobody's perfect. We make mistakes, and we think of perfection as like getting things right like doing the right things. Right. And I messed up, so I wasn't perfect. But perfection is really completeness. Mm-hmm. The idea of something being comp- uh, perfect means it's complete. There's no flaws. There's, it's, the integrity of it is complete. The Titanic had, was, did not, was not complete. It was not, the integrity of the Titanic uh, was an issue, and it sunk. Right? Mm-hmm. And so 
we we don't want to feel incomplete, but the the thing is we are incomplete. And we won't acknowledge that most of the time. We find some way of covering that up because those feelings of incompleteness drive us to feel something else, to, to fill that in, right? And yeah. God, but yet, in the very Garden of Eden, before anything wrong happens, God said to them, that gave them the tree of life, right? The tree of life was outside of Adam and Eve. So life was outside of them that they needed to take into themselves. They were never complete. Even before sin came into the world, they were incomplete. But in that moment, in that place, they were content in their incompleteness. They were at peace in their incompleteness because they were so intimately bounded with God that God's completeness overwhelmed their incompleteness. And so they were overwhelmed to overflowing with God's completeness, his perfect, complete joy, peace, power, wisdom, beauty, creativity, and imagination his complete sense of humor, his complete, uh, think of anything, all of it, uh, everything that is God is, was overflowing into them, making them complete. His now can flow in us. Yes. Unrestricted. So, yes. And so that is, so this is where, when, when our emotions are running away with us, when our emotions are running away with us, it's because we are not dealing with the root problem. We are not confessing. We're not mm. confessing our incompleteness. When I actually confess my my incompleteness, it changes things. Here, here, I, can I tell a story that happened that was told to me today? Yeah. So we have a neighbor cat. Black and, or excuse me, white and orange, big. He's a, a Maine Coon, uh, which means he has uh, no tail. He's orange and white. I don't know where black and white. I have a, a black and white cat. Um, oh, okay. But so his name is Oliver, and he's the neighborhood cat. He's he's always wandering around. He's this big chunk of a cat, no tail, Maine Coon, no tail. And he is the friendliest cat. So there's a guy who has a, um, a forklift big gigantic industrial forklift he parks it down the street it has uh tows it on a huge trailer brings it on the weekend and annoys everybody because it takes up about five parking spots on the sidewalk and right. uh and then he goes down to ag uh, arroyo grande south of us um uh during the week and, and uses it down there well just this week he drives down all the way it's about 25 minutes or so to where he's going and he gets out and he gets he starts to un you know, unhook this thing and he finds Oliver's asleep. The cat has been asleep in his forklift the whole ride down. He slept there the whole night and he never woke wow. up. And wow. now this cat is 25 minutes away from home. He's a long way from home <laughs> because he fell asleep, you know, and got carried away. He got yeah. carried away. And this guy had to of his own, you know, sacrifice time and money and gas to unhook his thing, his trailer, 
get back in his pickup and drive Oliver back to home, back home. <laughs> and here's where that it comes in is when we are asleep to our incompleteness, Chris, when we won't acknowledge it, we, when we want to act like it's, it's not, there. not there, then our emotions carry us away from home. Mm. Good. They carry us away. Yeah. But God, here's the beautiful thing about God. He is righteous, and, it, and it, he is always righteous. And in his righteousness, even when we get carried away and there's fallout, when we get carried away and flooded by our emotions, and, and we get carried away from that, we, God always sacrifices to bring us back home. Always. Mm-hmm. And if we, this is the righteousness of God, and if we will seek after it in every moment, no matter whether things are going right or wrong, we will seek after it like hidden Easter eggs. Mm-hmm. Even in this moment, even in this, what's happening in our culture right now, there are Easter eggs of God's joy and his righteousness and his completeness for us to find right now. But we have to look for them, and the searching starts with acknowledging that we are incomplete. That's excellent, Kurt. That's excellent. Oh, wow. we have a comment. We have a comment. You know what? Yeah, let's ponder that for a moment or entertain this comment here. What is it? What do we um, – where, where's the comment? Is it on the? It's on. Okay, it's. I'm sorry. This. I'm so excited. I don't know what I'm doing at this moment. Hey, I'm incomplete. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> See, and because I, I'm second in command, I don't have a clue. So it's okay. <laughs> I have. A, yeah, I have. I wanted to jump in, guys. Oh, hey, this Doug. Hey, this is Doug. Nice. Uh, nice to boy, see you. Guys are geeks, okay. man. This is like really heavy stuff. Oh, thank you. It's all Chris. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chris, is, Chris is leading uh, us tonight. <laughs> no, the Lord is leading us. So. Oh, there it is. The right. That's good. That's really good. <laughs> hey, I'm thinking about, and I can totally relate to, you know, uh, Chris. Um, I so often devote my morning time and my day to God, get in the car, and then everything's out the window. In a matter of moments, yeah, and uh, and I forget everything that I was praying into, sowing into, acknowledging God's done in my life, and uh, I started thinking about you know, and I've I've done that. It's like all of a sudden I have this amnesia. It's like you know, and I went, I started thinking about, huh? That's a good word for it. Thank you for that. Amnesia. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Anyway, so I'm thinking about. Galatians chapter 5, where uh, verse 17 says, For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. And I believe there's a little bit later, it talks about how all the decisions we make, all these things that we have to do, there is a battle going on between our flesh and our spirit. And then in Romans chapter 8, of course, he talks a lot about being, having, being a spirit-led person. And it, then I'm thinking about a little 
the, the little bit I know about psychology, and we have what I do anyway, I have a default mechanism, a default um, program that I default to. Okay. And so when I get triggered or there's a little bit of stress, then it's like, boom, I go back to that <laughs> yeah. carnality. And, yeah. and it's like all the good, that's like more hardwired in. And I have not yet ye be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Yeah. But ye be driven by your carnality. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, I just wanted to jump in and give you some of my thoughts, two cents on that. Yeah. Thank you. Chris? Okay. All right. Well, I love this comment, uh, Doug, because I think uh, this conflict that uh, Paul talks about in, in Galatians and Romans 7 and 8 is a very yeah. real thing. And if we, don't, if we don't actually look at that and think about it, yeah. we will succumb to the losing side every time. Uh-huh. Uh, I was... Uh, um, teaching somewhere earlier in the week, and, and I, I paired this conflict to being God's football team on the field. And uh, when we're on God's football team, there's no condemnation when, when we uh, drop a football. You know, there is therefore now no condemnation. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, see, so if I miss a block or a tackle, or I tackle the wrong guy, <laughs> okay? It's right, not like right. a team. In fact, the Lord knows that we won't be perfect and uh, that we are, as Kurt was saying, we are imperfect. And, and, but the, the issue, the, the important issue is that we don't switch sides. <laughs> you know, right, you don't right, right. To, to the world's team, and and start uh, and and start working against the Lord, and so for me that frees up a lot of, of room to not only mess up but also th- this this kind of grace that God has for us actually frees us up to change our habits to to actually let go of the things that are uh, you know triggering us. Um, uh, flooding us and so forth. And I've got one more little thought. And Doug, this is this is something that I honestly I've only begun work working on in the last three weeks in my life. So it's really cool that you're bringing this up because this is at the forefront of what I'm working on in my life. And and I discovered a difference when we're talking about resisting sin or. You know, we want to be pure before the Lord, and how do we deal with sin? And this word abandon, uh, abandoning sin, hit me brand new for the first time. And I started thinking about it. And abandonment, if, I, if I'm choosing to abandon a certain kind of habit, that's different yeah. than resisting it, actually. Because when I'm resisting it, I'm saying that there is the possibility I might do it again. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm, I'm going to keep yeah. blocking. I'm going to keep blocking and tackling against this, and then I find over the course of my life that I'm still falling to old memories or old habits and things like that. And 
And uh, so when I, I made a commitment a couple of weeks ago on one particular issue in my life, I said, Lord, I'm going to abandon this. That is to say, I, I carry it around, but every time I'm tempted to carry it, I'm going to, I may pick it up, but I, I'm, I want to say, no, I don't need this. I'm abandoning this. And I just, like a suitcase, I set it down and I walk I walk on. And um, I'm, I'm practicing wow. this abandonment. And then last night as I was going to sleep, uh, I was trying to think through the scriptures. Where are some examples of abandonment? And when Paul says, rid yourself, mm. rid yourself of all malice, slander, you know, he goes through a whole list. I think it's in yes. Yes. Philippians yeah. somewhere. I went, oh, there it is, that rid. I mean, yeah, yeah the Bible says resist the, the devil and he'll flee. And I get that. But the idea of abandonment, I feel like, goes one further, because resisting means oh, he's come back. <laughs> okay, he's going to hit me well, at my yeah, wheel. I like it. I like it. And there's a lot going on with me right now, and part of what's going on right away is in abandonment. Uh, I'm a recovered drug addict. It's okay. dropping the rocks. Okay, so we you're dropping the rocks, and in that in dropping those rocks. There, in resistance, I see that there's engagement. In resistance, I see there's a continuum. There's a, a struggle to be had. Whereas abandonment is complete cutting the, cutting the tethers, right? We're going to cut the anchors, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to burn the ships. We're going to burn the ships. There's, there's, we're not going back there. Yes. There's, you know, the default mechanism is I go back there. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, really good. That's really good. Um, I like that. And, and you know what? I I don't. Oh, by the way, I should let you know, uh, Doug. If you could turn down your radio, um, if you haven't done that already, because we're getting an echo or a computer uh, volume or whatever. It's, it's, yeah. yeah, you know what that is? It's um, it's we have you on speakerphone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and I don't. I don't. Uh, one of the things I've learned, and then. Um, and then I'll, I'll, I want to hear what Kurt has to say. But one of the things I'm, I'm discovering is that um, I used to think that I just, you know, like Galatians says, walk in the spirit and you won't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And in Romans 6, you know, Paul says, consider yourself, your flesh dead. You know, so yeah. I try to live in a, in a pretend way, you know, like uh, the flesh is dead. But I began to realize, no, if the flesh was dead, there wouldn't be this conflict. So, I'm, I, you know, you, you start rereading Romans 7 and you realize, oh, there is a conflict. And the fact that there is a conflict, that's actually good because that means you're on the football field resisting the devil. Okay. In other words, even if I, even if I fail, the fact that I feel bad about failing tells me I'm on the Lord's side. If I didn't feel bad about failing, mm. well, I had switched sides. <laughs> you know, um, and so one of those reality things that's happening in my life that I'm practicing is going, it's okay for there to be a conflict, and there's even okay for there to be failure because God has already forgiven me. The real issue is, mm. am I going to abandon 
this particular issue in my life. Oh. Um, and uh, so that when Satan tempts me to pick it up, or maybe he throws it in front of me, or he puts the suitcase in front of me so I trip over it, you know, right. whatever it is. Yeah. The, the real issue is, wait a minute, I don't need this. I don't need this. I'm abandoning this. You know, the, you know, you know Chris, they, what you could do? Yeah, tell. You, you, you could put it on a forklift and drive it 25 miles away. <laughs> and then leave it. <laughs> but that would be wrong. So, well, Kurt, now tell us, what, do you, what are your thoughts as you're listening to this? Well, I think the stakes are really high in all of this, this, this fight that we're in. We can, there, are, there are scriptures that warn us not to grow weary in doing good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we can grow weary in this battle because the emotions like we, we, we read about in scripture and are hopefully are experiencing the ever presence of God, like that God is ever present and that, and we're, and he wants us to experience that. But we also have this thing where our emotions, especially those emotions that want to, to, you know, to flood us and lead us away from home. Right. That they're ever present too. They're, we're constantly dealing with, the sense of incompleteness and the the flooding emotions that come over us because of that sense that in fact in the book and, of proverbs uh Kurt if I might just this uh when you're talking about this um speaks about uh the seduction of of sin and and one of the statements that came to my mind last week as I was reading through Proverbs is that this temptress meets us on every street corner. In other words, mm. is pursuing me. Mm-hmm. And I thought mm-hmm. my, my old flesh, the sinful nature, is pursuing me. It's, it's the other side of, my, uh, of the football field, and, and it's not surrendering at all, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I have victory on every single play if I play the Lord's way. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Anyway, and, uh, well, uh, the oh. point is, we can get weary. We can get weary yeah. in this battle, yeah. and we can get tired on the field. You know, okay. using that analogy, and we have to be reminded, I think, that the stakes are sky high. When if we let our emotions flood us and we give up the fight and just let them take over and, and we we let them lead rather than lead our emotions and and I have a daughter who is a four on the enneagram which means she's all feeling all the time. Okay. I used to say I used to say you know when she was a baby, uh, I, and very early on like infant stage, I began to say when this kid is happy the whole neighborhood knows it. When this kid is sad, the whole neighborhood knows it. <laughs> He's a very passionate, emotional creature. And and I would tell her something that was important for me to hear for myself because I'm also very powerful in my emotions. And that was, Sydney, be careful because it let make sure you're leading your emotions rather than letting your emotions lead you. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, prison, prison mm-hmm. is full of mm-hmm. people who let their emotions lead them. 
Yeah. Hey, I got two comments real quick, and I'm going to jump. And um, my wife oh. had something she wanted to say, but so let me just finish this one statement. Seeing... We're all in prison. It's not just people in prison in a physical sense. Ooh, ooh. Our emotions. Ugh. We, if we're not careful, the stakes are high, and our emotions keep us in other kinds of prison. Oh my God. So, so sorry. Go ahead, Doug. Please. No, that was really good. Veronica missed it. We're all in prison. Stakes are high. Um, for for Chris, you know, I, I love the scriptures and it says, you know, there's a song out. He's a good, good father, and then mm-hmm. he is the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd. But in your analogy, he's the great coach, and you <laughs> ta- just tackled the wrong guy. <laughs> but when you look up and you and you realize, oh man, but you look across the field. And you see a coach that is smiling and has right. eyes full of love and, right. and maybe even laughing and just joy, full of joy, like you were talking, Kurt, as he, you know, he enjoys us. Mm-hmm. Um, that was one of my comments. And, uh, oh, the other That's thing awesome. is through, through that powerful love and body language, this sense of security that we can have. Mm. That's so right, yeah. Doug. Yeah. That's right. Well, the question I had for for Doug, for Veronica, for Chris, uh for uh, you know, for all of us is is this. So if if we can if we can grow weary and and the stakes are high if we're, if, we're, if we allow ourselves to grow weary and allow our emotions to lead us and get just tired of the battle and get flooded and carried away the the stakes are prison we're we're going to we find ourselves in a prison right that we can't get out of we we find ourselves trapped in this cycle right anger right. think of people oh there's so many different things right so what helps you not grow weary what helps you be reminded that there is that coach looking you in the eyes, enjoying you, that father who's laid out the Easter eggs and is enjoying you searching for the Easter eggs of his righteousness that are there right in the middle of this frustrating, angry, anger-inducing circumstances that make you feel so incomplete. What helps us turn to the one who is safe for us and always wants to overwhelm us in his completeness what helps you turn be reminded of that when you're growing weary when you're tempted to be to allow your emotions to to flood you and and carry you away what what reminds you doug Doug or veronica what do you what do you guys do well i I just wanted to share a scripture um psalm 31 7 Mm-hmm. I am overcome with joy because of God's unfailing love, mm-hmm. for he has seen my troubles, and he cares about the anguish of my soul. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's when I'm in anguish, if I have, you know, if I'm experiencing any kind of emotional um, trauma, I mean, anything, anger, upheaval, um and I can go to my father and share that with him, just my troubles, anything. And then he gives me joy 
Mm. He'll give me peace Mm. because he cares. Because I know he cares, therefore I have peace and I have joy in exchange for whatever I give him, whatever I'm experiencing emotionally. Mm -hmm. He gives me that in exchange. Yeah. So it's like beauty for ashes. Oh, yeah. That's a that's a word that keeps coming up for me in this season, beauty for ashes. Mm. That's about the fifth time in a week <laughs> right there. So well, I look I for those. The, the, I'm sorry, the key thing for me was is that he cares. Excellent. Knowing that he cares about every everything that concerns me, however insignificant it might be to somebody else, but for me it's real knowing that he cares that someone out there cares and that he loves me that gives me joy (laughs) that's awesome that is the joy that's the ultimate joy knowing that I'm loved by somebody unconditionally like you were saying you can't do anything wrong on the football field you got a coach (laughs) and even if you screw up <laughs> you are going to screw yeah. up, and he loves you. Yeah. He's cheering you. You're cheerleader, and yeah, and that you yeah, can't fail. I love that. That's right. He's our cheerleader. Yeah, he's our cheerleader. And cheerleader and coach. Yeah. He's wearing the pom poms and the little skirts, and yeah. he's coaching the team too. <laughs> wow! Well, thanks, Good. Veronica, for that. What about you, yeah. Doug? What yeah. do you do when you're fatigued or you just oh, don't want to do? It's kind of triggering a little bit about my recovery that I haven't thought about in a long time, but making a gratitude list. And mm. one time, I, I think one of the greatest, I think the greatest question in the Bible, you find in Matthew chapter 16, and also uh, Luke and Mark, but I don't know the addresses, but um, who do you say that I am? Right? And so, you know, and Peter gets to download from Papa and, and answers wonderfully. But one time in my prayer time, getting very quiet, I wrote down, but who does God say that I am? Mm-hmm. And get my identity and my self-worth comes from him. And if I can remember that, which unfortunately I don't do, if that is... um. That calls up inside of me an intestinal fortitude that reminds me of everything else. It's that you know what? He is for me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Uh, Romans 8.31, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Um, I'm a royal priesthood. I mm. am not an orphan spirit, but I am a son. I am a child of God, also in Romans chapter 8 and one place all over the Bible. If I then when I wrote these things down, there was I did have this period um, where I realized I was living my eternal life now, mm. that I was eternally <laughs> secure, right? Yeah. And that um, I did, he's the great reward, and conversely, mind blowing, I'm his great reward. Those give me 
a different perspective to live life from. Unfortunately, I don't. I you know I need to think about this a lot more often. Yeah, and that's my that's my answer to that. That's all I have to say about that. Well, I, I like I, that I, idea of uh, uh, I'm his reward and he's my reward. That that's awesome. I have to ponder that for a while. It reminds me of Exodus, where Israel is at the mountain of Mount Sinai and about to encounter God in this powerful, fearful, earth-shaking storm. And God says, if you will listen to my voice, you will be my treasured possession. If you will listen, you will be my treasured possession. And it's not because... The if isn't like if you obey me, then I then I will treasure you. It's if you will listen to me, you will hear how much you are already my treasured possession. Wow, that is rich, right? It's it's the fact that we always are, but are we listening? And and how how do we listen when we get weary? I think Doug, one of the things you said that is so so good is Thanksgiving. When we're weary. When we're down, when we're focused on the 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 you know the the power of our emotions, the hopelessness, we're feeling hopeless. What can turn that around? It's choosing to find something, at least one thing to start thanking God for, just one thing, and that leads that that's mm, us yeah, leading that's our emotions rather than wow, our emotions good. leading us, and then we begin to think about that that thing you know that we're thankful for. And we begin once it's just like what's that commercial, that Pringles commercial, whatever you can't just eat one. It's like once you you just can't think of one thing thing you're thankful for. And once you think of legs, legs, there it is. <laughs> and once you hey, lay we're down, gonna, we're going to sign off and listen to you guys now. Love you no, guys. Right. Keep up yeah. the good work. Thank you. Thank God you. bless Thank you, you both. Doug yeah. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Oh man, Doug and Veronica, thank you for calling they in. They rock. That was so they awesome. You get, yes, they are. And once yeah. you, you know, what I was saying, Chris, is that that what Doug said is it's just so practical when we lay, when we when we give one thing that we're thankful for, we think of it. It leads to more, and that and that leads us to joy. It leads us from happiness or unhappiness or. <laughs> Weariness or a sense of defeat or failure into God's presence. It leads us into right. joy. And right. so for me, and I'd love to hear practically what you do when you're feeling weary or defeated. And for me, it's, it's simple. Uh, it's not a head issue at that point because I know the scriptures. I know what God says. Um, it, but it's a heart issue. It's my emotions. So yeah. God has showed me what, for me personally, what moves my emotions is the lyrics to worship songs, mm-hmm. similar to Thanksgiving. When I, when I'm in a place where I am just, my emotions are running rampant, I'm flooded, putting worship music and meditating on the lyrics mm-hmm. moves my heart. That's good. That's good. Joy. Yeah. For, um, and I think that's, that's one of the good things about worship is that it directs our focus where it needs to be. And it's kind of like we sync up and link up with God. Um, and so that's, that's the good aspect of being filled 
when we're in a community together, you know, we get filled for the week. What we have to learn is how to do that Monday through Saturday. You yeah. Know, that kind well, of, yeah. That kind I do that. For me, that's the leading. I, I can let my emotions lead me or I can lead them. And I choose, like, come on, we all have our phones on us and we have music yeah. on our phones these days. And yeah. I've got a, like, 120 worship song playlist on my phone <laughs> that literally, <laughs> I, I, what I do, I, I choose to lead those yeah. moments when I'm, when I'm, when I'm feeling incomplete. I choose to lead myself into God's presence to experience his completeness by picking up my phone, putting in my headphones and hitting shuffle on that thing and just let it and saying, God, you know, the song I need to hear right now to to connect my heart to your heart, my eyes to your eyes, my heart to your heart. And I'll hit shuffle. And inevitably when I do that, when I lead my emotions into God's presence in that way, the song is usually dead on the money. The lyrically, you know, I'm a lyric guy. It lyrically hits. Uh, and I want to hear, I want to hear yours, but uh, let's, let's take a break to talk about our, I want to hear what leads you, what you do to lead yourself in mm-hmm. those moments, because I'm sure you've got some good ones. So let's do this. Let's take a break and talk about all the other wonderful shows on our network. And then we'll be right back to hear from Chris. Hey, friends, and thank you for tuning in to Life Hurts, God Heals. If this is Tuesday and somewhere between 7 and 9 p.m. Pacific, you're listening to us live. If you have a question for Kurt and Chris during this time, please give us a call at 323-580-5755. If you cannot call, that's okay. You can always reach us through our Facebook page, Life Hurts, God Heals, or send us an email at lifehurtsgodheals.com. 2020 at gmail.com. That's all one word. We'd also like to thank the Link Local Network for broadcasting our show. Some of the other shows that are a part of the Link Local Network are The Road to Recovery on Sundays at 7 p.m. Central, Community Voices Chat, which is currently every other Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, The Pillars of Franchising, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the Link Local Network in your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss any of our episodes. Again, our email is lifehurtsgodheals2020 at gmail.com, all one word, or give us a call at 323-580-5755. And back to you, Kurt and Chris. Hey, before we get back into it, I talking about what Doug said about Thanksgiving, I'm thankful for him and Veronica calling in, and I'm thankful for Peg Merritt uh, commenting. This is a good Shout night. out to Peggy. I know Miss Peggy. Love you, Peggy. So you go ahead, Chris, read what she wrote for us. She says, so maybe God puts that feeling of incompleteness in us, which is what you were talking about, Kurt. So we will seek after him to fill our hearts with him. Mm. So much truth right there. Yeah, so good. And that woman has experienced some pain in her life, Mm. as we all have. But uh, that's so awesome. She's experienced her unique kind of pain that that definitely doesn't take away uh, from anyone else's pain or or their pain take away from her experiencing it. Uh And, And yet she can still 
write that. She has seen the righteousness of God in her life and his completeness, I bet. <clears throat> so, Chris, how about you? Uh, so, yeah, so she said it, right? So God puts the feelings of incompleteness in us so we will seek after him. Because incompleteness is not really um, something tangible. It's actually a lack of something. It's a lack of God's completeness. And so it leads us to seek. Just like fear really isn't something tangible. It's actually a lack of something. Hopelessness is actually just a lack of hope, right? It's it's a vacuum that needs to be filled. Fear is a vacuum that needs to be filled. And so what do you do when you have those feelings and you feel that sense of incompleteness? So how do you seek after God? What helps you go seeking after God? Again, just like Peg said. Mm-hmm. Well, to set this up, I want to go back to our football illustration. <laughs> okay. Because when you talk about you know, hopelessness, Kurt mentioned, you know, when you're when when we feel hopeless, when we feel all of these let's call them negative emotions. It means that we've we've gone we've gone looking at how the how the other team is playing <laughs> and um and so we we start looking for the world to to fill us with what we want and i think what happens for me is i'm on the i'm on god's football team i'm out there i'm you know uh somebody's calling the plays maybe it's paul or or somebody (laughs) by virtual uh calls or whatever okay so I'm blocking or tackling and, and there are going to be days or moments that I'm playing, I'm, I'm, I'm playing with joy and I'm playing with firmness and I know the plays I'm supposed to make. But then there are other times when I take a, a break, maybe I take a rest, and when I go back out on the field, I'm not playing. I'm just kind of standing. You know, in other words, I'm when we talk about popcorn ball. If you've ever coached, <laughs> I haven't. Uh, I used to coach, you know, uh, uh, little boys baseball, <laughs> pee wee baseball, and it's so much fun because you know, no matter what you do, you're going to have one kid running the third base and second base. You have, you know, a kid out in the. Uh, <laughs> way out in outfield, you're picking up worms and, you know, another <laughs> kid running onto the field, uh, throwing flowers everywhere. And you're just trying to line up kids that they can, uh, you know, hit the ball. And all. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's so hilarious as a parent, you can't be serious about baseball when you're, when you're coaching peewee. But sometimes I feel like I'm one of those little kids where I go out on the field and I'm distracted by something. So I'm actually not playing. And that's when the enemy gets a hold of me. And and to put it in more adult terms, when I'm feeling something, you know, like you can have a, an hour or two in your day where you're just kind of neutral. 
You know, mm-hmm. I'm not feeling mm-hmm. anything. And you can kind of start to wonder if everything's okay. Like maybe I should feel the joy of the Lord or, or those kinds of things. But what I find is that that is kind of a dangerous time. It can be dangerous. There's nothing sinful about it. It's just a dangerous time because I can find myself looking for a memory or remembering uh, an event in the past. I, I can look for things that, that other team is doing uh, for pleasure. You know, I can redirect my mind um, because I'm not actually playing. I'm on the field, but I'm not doing anything. And I let my mind wander. And in that wander, I can get taken down a road that I never wanted to get taken down in. But the reason I get on the field and I'm neutral is, and I've been thinking about this quite a bit, is that oftentimes I just lack the motivation or the desire to actually do what I'm supposed to do. Can you hear me now? Oh, good. I'm I'm lacking the the things that I'm supposed to do, for instance, uh, or the feelings to do what I'm supposed to do, and this happens just about every day. Is that I am so blessed to do what I'm supposed to be doing, but sometimes I get selfish and I just want my own time, <laughs> right? Yeah. And um, I'll be honest. Sometimes even when we're getting ready to do the radio show. When I hit two or three in the afternoon, I go, gosh, I wish I wish I didn't have to do the show. <laughs> I didn't okay. have to deal with Kurt. <laughs> well, it's just that it takes up, it takes time. Sure. There's a significant block of time. Now, I enjoy doing the show, but it's that time when I get on the field and I'm just kind of standing there and I'm going, do I really feel like playing? Do I really like when you talked about do not be weary, see, that's what I'm connecting with, the do not be weary. Well, one of the things that helps me out of that is uh, kind of the things that uh, Veronica uh, and Doug were, were saying about just um, given all that God has done, can you love God back? In other words, I know you love God, Chris. Uh, how about show it? In other words, that that's my motivating thing is, is, oh, and I'm finding that love is actually healing a lot of uh, waiting spaces in my life where I'm, where I'm susceptible to the enemy is when I operate in love and I go, oh, I do love the Lord. I'm going to do this. It's like uh, be, um, when David talks about it's, it's his delight to serve the Lord. You know, when he talks mm-hmm. about it, his delight. And, um, you know, when you're a bond servant, um, the bond servant slave position that we read about in the scriptures is not one where God makes you a slave or you've chosen 
to be a servant or a slave. And if I've chosen that, I've chosen that not because I'm supposed to and not because it makes me a better person, but I've chosen that because I've been loved. Yeah. And when I can remember that I've been loved, my response is love. And then what I find is that my, for me, it's uh, it's not so much music that does it. It's 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 the the rational part of me that that says, "Oh, I want to love you, Lord. Mm. I want to love you." And when I get to that, I want to love you, then all the fatigue, all the weariness, goes away, and I'm filled with a different kind of emotion that is. I suppose, sourced in God, but certainly it's not sourced in the world because the world is hostile to God. That football team hates God. But I love my coach. And when Veronica said, you know, the coach is over there beaming and smiling, mm-hmm. I look over there and I go, oh, yes, I remember what I'm, why I'm out here on the field. <laughs> and then I go and I do my block and tackle. You know, mm-hmm. I go receive yeah. my captives and those kinds of things. So that's kind of what I do. Well, you know what? You're bringing it back to your peewee baseball analogy, right mm-hmm. there. Because what you said was that the kids are out on the field throwing flowers around, standing around like you gave yourself, right? Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, and you have to. When it when it comes to the coach and and the parents, you 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 don't take it seriously. You can't take Pee Wee baseball seriously. Uh, instead, you got to they're they're seeing the kids. You know they're a mess out there on the field. They don't know what they're doing. They're incomplete, right. and they're all over the place. And that's but yet, what's the parents' perspective? Love. They're enjoying those kids, even when they're running around the field, throwing flowers up in the air and picking worms, and the ball is bouncing past them, and they turn around and realize it and fall down trying to get it because they got one hand on a worm and one hand going for the ball, right? It's Or the helmet falls off, and then they turn around and pick up the helmet. <laughs> rather than go after the ball. And the whole time the parents are laughing they're enjoying their kids yeah. Yeah. in the midst of their messy playing in the midst of their forgetfulness and it's in those moments where the kids are forgetting the game and forgetting their coach and forgetting even their parents and are distracted the reality of it is still the same the parents are still enjoying those kids Mm-hmm. And still having a good time watching their kids, even when and the God's kids are... football team is going to win. Yes, and that's <laughs> the point, though, is when we reconnect yeah. to that, so yeah. it's so important for us that God's football team is going to win. God promises it is, promises us that. the yeah. The point here is for us is for us to enjoy the journey. It's the the end is already the movie, as we talked about in the beginning. The movie story is already written. It's just our 
do we get to play a part of that we experience joy along the way? Or like, okay, the ending is written. God is, is going to carry us there. Philippians 1, 6 says, He who began the good work in us will carry to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Being confident of this, he who began the good work in us will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So the issue isn't, will we win? Will God win? The issue is, will we enjoy the journey along the way? Right. He's going to get us there. He's carrying us to the end. Are we going to enjoy the journey? The important thing is don't switch sides. I mean, Hebrews, the whole book of Hebrews is about persuading these believers to not slip back, do not switch sides, still play on God's team, make mistakes, that's fine, but don't give up, don't get weary to the point where you, where you become despondent and you don't care. Yeah. That's really crucial. And I think what we're going through with this virus today, uh, it's, yeah, I know what it's doing to the world, but for Christian believers, which is where our focus is, for Christian believers, it either challenges us to reveal the glory of God in us in these times, or we enter into despair and we, we want to give up. Yeah. We think, oh, the Lord, the coach, our football coach, doesn't know what he's doing. And, uh, and he's actually being really mean mm. by allowing such things. And so doubt comes in. And this is where the other football team can really make headway. Uh, against us is is when we forget when we forget God's goodness in the middle of this, and we we become we kind of can become I don't know how to say this when we develop an anxiety or a worry it means that we're losing confidence in our coach. And we can begin to lose the strength of our faith. Doubt begins to grow. Talked about this at a teaching time earlier this week. You know, fire, a little, a little uh, candle uh, is wonderful for light, for warmth, or, or whatever. But that light needs to be monitored. That fire, little flame, needs to be monitored because if it's left alone... Um, bad things can happen and that's kind of like doubt doubt when we're confronted with this pandemic that it doesn't seem there are any clear answers there's a doubt that enters in about what is God doing how is our how is our coach going to play this play and if we if we decide that that uh, he's not playing very well, doubt grows. In other words, if if our if our father is not is is uh, if we're losing confidence in in how he's addressing this, we lose we begin to lose our place on the field and lose ground. But the other thing that that doubt can do 
is it can actually press us into God. We actually go to the sideline and we say, okay, coach, what are we going to do now? And the coach says, okay, I want you to show more love here. I want you to do the, I want you to show some generosity. This is the, your opportunity to pl- to make some plays in these areas that the world hasn't seen yet. And we go, "Oh, okay." So, no, this isn't the end of the game. This is just part of the game. We get back out on the field and we find ways, new ways to show love. That's what I that's that's what I see is is taking place today among the believers all across the world. There's the choice to become despondent and weak in our faith, or we can run to the coach and find how to play. So, well, it goes back to what we said earlier, I think, and that is the idea of acknowledging, like if we don't acknowledge our own incompleteness then there there has to be another issue and if there's if if we're not acknowledging our incompleteness as the issue then we go back to blaming god we go right our emotions carry us away far from him because we blame him and we and we end up like oliver far from home but or we do our own play in other words we have an, uh, an assignment on the field but we don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> we do our own play. Yeah. Yeah. And it carries us away. And so that's the acknowledgement. What what really helps us is again putting God back where He is as righteous. That He is always doing uh, what's right for us. And what helps us in that is is coming to that place, acknowledging the root issue of we're the ones who are incomplete. And mm-hmm. then and then that puts us back to whatever, however that works for us, whatever practical way that helps us to be reminded and confess our incompleteness and sometimes i find chris it is the failures on the field it is the moments where i'm pulling the worm up or i'm running around with the flowers or i'm picking my Uh nose and not paying attention and the ball hits me in the forehead that Uh that those those are times where pain can remind us of our incompleteness can take us back to what peg said you know that to remind us that that give us those feelings of that pain. There's you know what pain is important to our body. We don't like it, but it's important to, because it screams something is wrong. Pay attention. Mm-hmm. And there's times where we're not paying attention to our feelings of incompleteness. We're hiding them, and then pain comes into the picture, and it reminds us. It brings those those feelings of incompleteness to the foreground and reminds us and that leads us to either confess them and and leads us like Peg says right back to seeking after God to, for him to fill us or yeah. or we can choose to continue to blame him for the pain and so those are the choices and I think what we shared in some of these things is thanksgiving and worship and you, you know, like this acknowledgement of scriptures, Veronica shared some really great scripture with us yeah. that can, you know, the, why it's important to, to memorize scripture, because then you always have it in your mind, even when the feelings overwhelm, right? It can help. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Excellent stuff. Tonight. Um, I think, I think we're good to wrap it. Yeah, I don't have any more 
thoughts right now. I'm I'm just uh, I'm blessed by the things I've learned from from you and uh, from Dave and Veronica. So Doug, Doug, Doug. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we're incomplete. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, yeah. So next week, uh, Chris. W- w- we're in a we're in a season, you know, of where the world for many people, not any, but many other people, where the world is slowing down. Like, and we're having to adjust to a like to a different pace of life where we're in we're we're isolated in our homes, uh, where stores aren't open and restaurants we can't go about our normal routines and things are slowing way down. So I was thinking, wouldn't you know, wouldn't it be uh, Get cool to do a topic about about uh, resting well mm-hmm. because we're so used we're so busy um, used to being busy and going and going and this is a huge adjustment for a lot of people so how can we how can we adjust and grow and 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 you know uh, maybe something for people to think on is the idea that Paul and Peter. Uh, ended up in prison uh, for months, sometimes years at a time, and it seemed like, what are they going to do? Mm. And yeah. how did God, how did God use them in their prison cell? And mm-hmm. here they were; these they're the apostles, the leaders of of the early church, teaching us everything that we know. Mm-hmm. They're the representatives. They're the representatives of God. And yet God has them in prison. And then in those final letters before they're executed, they spend a great deal of time talking about joy. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. We're going to also, we're going to have a uh, a special guest named Dan Fogel, Uh, Kurt Flagel, Dan Fogel, and, uh, and Chris Woolwind next week, Matt, uh, or Matt Fogel, excuse me. Did I just say Dan? We're incomplete. You were thinking we're... Dan Fogelberg. But, uh, ah, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Matt. So let me correct. That was, I was on the field pulling a worm right then. Um, let me go back. It is Matt Fogel. And Matt is uh, has a great church community called Rhythm, uh, Rhythm Church. Uh, church. And, and so he understands these. Uh, he's lived his life and different rhythms of work and rest. He, he has a great uh, rhythm between work and rest. So he's going to help us uh, in our discussion next week of learning how to adjust to a new rhythm of life where we have to learn to rest well. And uh, in the meantime, Annie, did you have anything else to add to, to the conversation? There was something, looked like you had something like, I'm not reading your face right, apparently, because it looked like you had something to, to say. No, I was just playing on the computer. <laughs> okay. Well, it was a go, serious solitaire game, you know. <laughs> we do have one celebration. We did just, we had 301 followers, but 299 likes. And now we just hit 300 likes and 302 followers as we were on the show. So we we're at 300 for likes on our Facebook page. So thank you everyone for being a part of this. Thank you for liking us. 
They like us. They really <laughs> they like, really us. like us. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to get Award. 300 <laughs> happy birthday messages tomorrow, Kurt. Oh, yeah. I was happy wondering birthday that... to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Kurt. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you. All of our Bye. podcast listeners, thank you for listening. <laughs>